0: Well, good morning. It is uh, good to uh, see all of you here and uh, those of you who are joining us online. And, um, you know, I, I really uh, enjoyed and really got a lot out of uh, just the time I had last week to meet with uh, Jonica and, and Amanda and Jeremy. And as I listened to them talk, even as we were uh, like filming it and I was taking some notes and stuff... There were some things that just started to come out that I thought really kind of captured the heart of Casas, and in some ways really captured the heart of Christ that is so important to us as a church and just what it means for us as a church to be a Christ-centered church. Uh, You know... Um, Throughout the years or historically as a church, there have been moments when we have just uh, paused to have a Sunday like this where we honored or lifted up a particular group of of people for different reasons. We've done this uh, with first responders, with firefighters and officers. And by the way, we should, uh, just thinking about what's happening in Florida right now, um, we should just be uh, keeping them in our prayers, uh, both the families that are there, but I think about all the first responders and the rescuers, uh, the, the rescue teams and stuff. Just uh, keep them in your prayers. Uh, but you know, historically, we have had moments where we've lifted up uh, veterans and even uh, active duty uh, service uh, personnel, and recently teachers, and and it gets back to this thing of understanding that that there are unique groups of people within our larger community, and and sometimes uh, because of how they serve us or the greater community, that there's something healthy that happens when we can just uh, see them and lift them up and honor them. And and I hope that that's uh, part of what happens here this uh, morning in all of this. And so I wanna get back to this thing uh, just, that I know I started to really feel and think about in how there's something about uh, so many healthcare workers that I see, That there's something that, uh, that captures the heart of Casas that I see in them. I think about a friend of mine who is a surgeon and uh, kind of at the height of COVID, uh, he was still doing a bunch of surgeries and was involved with uh, a, a number of COVID patients. And because of his family, and trying to figure out all the things with the, in terms of it being a contagion. Like he had to literally send his family away for six weeks and just like didn't even get to be with them for six weeks just because of the demand of what he needed to be doing. And there's something about that heart that, that even at that moment where it kind of came at great cost to him, that, that uh, there was something that he saw as a service uh, to others in this. Uh, There is a parable that Jesus teaches that I think is revealing uh, just about that heart that I want us to look at here this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter 25. And uh, there's just a part of this parable that I wanna look at because he's talking to a particular group of people, and as he's talking with them, uh, there's something that comes out in this that I think in particular is really important that, that kind of captures this. And this is uh, this parable where he, he, it's about a king uh, who's talking to like his subjects or his followers. But of course in the parable, God or Jesus is represented as this uh, king and and like we're the people in this. And so here's what he says. Look at verse uh, 35. And I feel like my mic is... is uh, is it adjusted right? Am I popping it? Okay. If if I if I get obnoxious, you just point to the tech people and they'll get my attention. And, and okay. But back to the Bible. Okay, Matthew chapter 25. Look at uh, verse 35. He says this: For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a foreigner and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me, right? And so he talks about these moments of need that he had and how like, and he's speaking to this group of people and it's like, and you were there for me, right? And of course, there's this kind of surprise they have because they're like, yeah, don't remember that, right? In fact, look at how they respond. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a foreigner and invite you in or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you, right? It's like, wow, like I, we, don't, wow, we don't remember doing that, but man, would that be an amazing thing if we did that, right? Can you imagine getting to personally, you know, uh, take care of, Jesus when he was sick, like we would go, man, that's a really spiritual, really important thing to do. But of course, they're like, I, like, we don't remember that. And what Jesus is doing in this is he, there's something about his heart that's coming out. He's connecting that there's something in the spiritual realm that we would naturally see as really, inval- uh, really valuable, really important. But it can be easy to miss because it can actually happen in just um, in the subtlest of ways or in in the physical world in a way that we might miss. They're doing something really significant. They just don't realize it yet. And I I love how Jesus is unpacking this, kind of pulling them in so that they can begin to see that there's something that's really significant that they're doing that maybe they're missing. Ever... Let me ask you this. Ever have a moment where you did something for someone and in the moment, it, like, it didn't seem like a huge deal. You just, I don't know, maybe you wrote somebody a card. You just, uh, you, you saw them do something or you were just thankful that they did something and you wrote them a card. Or, or maybe it was as simple as, you know, you, you saw one of their pets, meandering down the street in your neighborhood and you're like, I know where you belong. I'm gonna go return you. And you, you just, nothing more than returning a pet, but they were just like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Maybe it was something that you fixed for them and it just, it was easy, it only took a little while and you realize this really impacted them, right? And, and in some ways that's kind of what Jesus is doing in this moment, he's saying, you know, I want you to know there's something that you're doing and it means the world to me. And of course, when you look at this list of things that he's doing, it's all about caring for people, that people matter to God and that just caring for them uh, is special. But I don't think they realize how special just yet. It is in the next verse that it's like, he turns the corner and reveals, like creates this kind of aha moment uh, in this. Uh, Look at the the next verse. Look at verse uh, 40 here. He says this, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, that's the aha moment, right? It's like, In that moment that you took care of that person, maybe it was a stranger. Maybe it was the person down the street. Maybe it was someone in your family. Maybe it wasn't. But when you cared for them, it's like you were caring for me, right? There's this heart that God has for human beings that Jesus looks at human beings of all types through all time and says, I see in them The image of God. There is something, I see my father in heaven in some way in them. And when you take care of them, it's like, well, think about being a parent and someone does something significant for one of your kids. Like, it's like, man, you do that for my kid and you're doing it for me. It means something. And that's what he's revealing in this moment. It's like you're going beyond what you have to do and doing this beautiful thing. And it's, for me, that's his heart. And I think that's the thing that sometimes we see in healthcare workers in our world and in our sphere. There are these moments where... um, as Stacy was uh, talking about it, that in some ways it's almost like a calling at times that they live this out in this beautiful way. You know, you saw, you see Jesus live this out. It it doesn't just pop up here or there. Uh, You see it through his whole ministry as he's ministering to people. There'll be moments that he's ministering to the spiritual in a super significant way that we'd all get. Like he says, your sins are forgiven. Like you're saved. You will be with me for all eternity. And we're like, that's a big deal, right? Compared to whatever I'm suffering with in this world, compared to all eternity, wow, right? Like all eternity, like this pales in comparison to that. But here's what you see with Jesus. He never goes, okay, so like I fixed your eternity. Can we stop complaining about the I can't see anymore or I, you know, I can't walk. I just like, no, right? It's because as human beings, even with all eternity like, uh, held securely, we still feel, we still suffer. We're still in a moment that's difficult. And it's like Jesus's heart sees that. And so Jesus is constantly healing people, even if he's taking care of their eternity. Because they just matter to him. Uh, this really comes out uh, in in one particular story that Jesus tells. Uh, in fact, it's one of the one of the more famous ones Jesus tells. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember this story? Um, It starts where there is this guy that has been beaten up and he's left to die on the side of the road, abandoned. And then a couple of religious uh, guys come by, right? The types that you would think that would be really in tune with God and everything. And they pass by and they just ignore the guy, right? And they just go right on by. And then there's this Samaritan who would have been thought of as, you know, the opposite of these uh, really uh, uh, religious, pious, good, you know, righteous people. And the Samaritan comes by and he sees this guy and his heart goes out to him and he goes over and takes care of him. And what's interesting in this story is, is really how the story ends. That's the part I want us to just see for just a moment here. In fact, um, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn over to Luke, turn over to Luke chapter 10. Um, because there's a part where Jesus could actually end the parable um, and really have gotten the point across. And yet he adds in this other layer of things. So we get near the end of the story. Look at uh, verse 33. We get near the end of the story. And this is where the Samaritan comes, verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And, you know, Jesus could have paused right there and said, okay, do you see the religious guys? They came in, they had no compassion, no pity, no care. This guy stops, he goes over, he, has, he takes pity on the guy. That would have made the point that Jesus was after, right? That that love becomes practical and love, uh, we have love even for the person who's different than us, the the, the person who's not... Uh, me and mine, right? They're this beautiful thing with Christ. But it's kind of like Jesus' heart for you and for me and people. It's like he can't help himself in this moment. And he goes on to describe a level of detail that he doesn't describe um, prior uh, in this story that he tells. And look at what he says, look at verse 34. Um, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. And And he goes on and explains how he uh, pays the innkeeper to uh, to further care for this man and is willing to put out his own resources that he's gonna come back and he'll pay the innkeeper even more for like, it's just like this, like he just goes on and on in this. Uh, and let me pause here for just a second and and just say how grateful I am for how far healthcare has come in the last 2000 years. That, that it, it's we were treated more almost like a salad, you know, a little oil and balsamic wine or whatever, you know, Um, uh, but you know, that was cutting healthcare technology back in that day. We've come a ways in this thing, right? But don't miss the point that, uh, that it's like Christ's heart. Just, it's like, you just, you care, almost like a calling in this. And it comes even at great sacrifice uh, to this man that he keeps on caring in this. And I think that's the part that so often we see in healthcare workers. And when I say healthcare workers, I I, I don't I mean more than just doctors and nurses, because I think we see this with techs and with assistants. Uh, we see it in. Uh, in multiple medical fields. We see it in mental health fields. We see it with uh, people uh, you know, taking labs and doing all of these things that there's something really special that they give and that they offer in this. And you know, sometimes it comes at a great cost. It's, it's something where they give beyond who they are uh, in all of this. And, and you know, the early church got this. There was something about the early church that saw this heart of Christ and it became their heart. Um, The early church kind of broke some of the norms. You know, first century, second century, uh, the norm would be if you were sick or injured, it was really up to your immediate family or friends to care about you. There, There wasn't There there was no system in place. uh, And even as healthcare uh, was improving, oftentimes it happened like on the battlefield, but it was about the soldiers and their soldiers or within a particular family or a particular group. And Christians started this thing of just breaking those boundaries and saying, okay, we just care about people in this. So much so that when you uh, look at... The modern Western hospital, when you think of a hospital nowadays, the roots of what uh, hospitals have become go all the way back to those early Christians. Um, In fact, by the early Middle Ages, uh, Christians uh, would actually set rooms aside in basilicas or churches or in their own homes to care for strangers. And by the time you get to, I think it was around 540 AD when the first uh, really bad plague started uh, breaking out in Eastern and then Western Europe that just were ravaging whole uh, families and villages and cities. Uh, An interesting trend occurred in which um, Christians would actually bring people from other families or other villages over to their village or into their homes. And before that, again, the the way you would uh, be cared for is within your own family. But what happens when everyone in your family is sick or dying? Those that are sick, if there's no one to care for you, it's like a death sentence. And that occurred. And all of a sudden it became Christians that were saying, you know what? this heart of Christ. Like when we love on people, it's like we're loving on our Savior because they matter to Jesus. And they would create, like they would literally take like a room within their house and they would bring in people from other families or other uh, villages and care for them. And and, uh, in fact, the etymology for the word uh, hospital, it's interesting. It's kind of built off of two words that go back to the Latin and the uh, old, old French. And the first one is hospice, which in Latin literally means stranger or guest. And then in the old French, it becomes uh, host or hotel or hospitality. And you see how that works. And and you can see kind of the beginnings of the word hospital in that. But the other word was pati. Uh, And in the Latin, it literally means to suffer. And then in the old French, it became like a patient, a patient who was suffering. So literally, hospital is describing how these early Christians would create a space for even a stranger who was suffering to be cared for. And so the next time you're driving down the road and you see a hospital, know that there is a thread running through history that goes all the way back to those early Christians who were simply living out the heart of Christ and just saying they're people and we'll care for them. And we love that, just the beauty of what they offer us. And again, those early Christians, sometimes when they would care for people, it would come at a great cost to them Sometimes they would become sick. Sometimes they died. It meant giving up their own resources physically and emotionally in all of this. And you know, when I was talking with Jonica and Amanda and Jeremy, just seeing their heart, like even that came out, that not just this last year, but especially this last year, there was a cost to them in all of this. And, And I want you to, before we move on to the next part of this service, I want you to hear from them uh, again and just their heart in all of this.
1: This last year doesn't define, you know, necessarily how my career has been in, in healthcare per se, although it's been, you know, one, almost one thing after another, after another. Um, it's It started like we were waiting for the shoe to drop, watching what was happening back in New York, New Jersey, you know, across the globe. And, you know, kind of you're, you're seeing that this could happen here. <laughs> At one point we were in the ICU helping put um, like these putting uh, IV tubing sets together. I mean, just this all these sorts of things that had to be required in this last year because volunteers weren't in the hospital. Like, we just didn't have as much people around to do this work because everyone was away.
2: I would say there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of doubt, fear, but there was also a lot of courage. Um, there was a lot of boldness.
3: This was like, The first time we actually had really, really sick patients. So there was so much to learn from. And there was like, we had like one more patient, one more COVID patient. And I got, I mean, I got the chance to take care of him and get get him out of the, he was the last one to make it. And he was, um, he was a young guy too. And he had been in there for months, for months. And he was eventually able to go home and he was our last one and we were, and then we didn't have any more. And it it was, it was so weird.
2: That's a victory.
3: It, it absolutely is.
2: We thrive on those because they're few and far between in a critical care setting. So, you know, you have a lot of devastating losses. But when you have that one victory, that's I mean, that's why we do. It reminds us.
1: We've all talked about the, the difficulty of doing the jobs in healthcare care and um, the physical, mental toll and the like. Again, it just, just to be able to hold those stories of like when things were done and done well, like how much we got out of that one moment. Um, those are pretty special times. We we tend to think about patients before ourselves. Um, and of course, I think the most immediate thing, that's a bad day when we lose, when we lose someone um, or something happens um, to negatively impact care in some way. Those are bad days.
2: In a critical care setting, a lot of times these patients are there for long periods of time. What I will say about COVID, and it's not all about that, but in the medical ICU, the average stay for a patient there was four to five days. When a COVID patient comes into a critical care unit, their average stay is 27 days and that's without any friends or family or anybody at the bedside. They are literally taking that on alone. Except for us.
3: Like it's hard. How do you figure that out? Have somebody like come by and see them. It's just seeing them in that state and it's like you've lived so much life and now you don't you've gotten to the point where you don't know what to do. And that was hard for me too
2: (laughs) we're not just nurses we're educators and advocates and counselors and mediators um you know so our roles go beyond um just uh passing the pills so to speak
1: yeah i hear stories of you know different people who are you know taking you know doing counseling and you know, doing like even like the post-traumatic stress, you know, that crisis-type style of counseling, just to get through, um, just to get through these this last year especially. Uh, but it, it took that even on a day-to-day. You know, before COVID even came across, it was it's always been uh, enormously stressful and a place where, you know, high high. There's there's great reward in what we do in healthcare. There's also the the downside of it, of what can do to a person, you know, physically, spiritually, mentally, and it can really beat you up.
2: Once somebody enters the healthcare arena, yeah. um, things change in their lives. As a patient, when they become a patient, um, we see people at their worst, on their worst days. There's a lot of suffering. But there's also, we also do have the opportunity to see when they're at their best, you know, when they, their endurance is incredible and what they can overcome um, in the face of their illness and the adversity that they're facing. Mm
0: You know, uh, just uh, listening to that video, one of the things I'm struck by is even with what they uh, went through this past year and even before is just uh, don't miss the empathy that you hear in them for uh, others, which is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, So uh, I want us to see the other side of this as well. And I'm here uh, with John Harrison, who I've known for a a very, very long time. (laughs) Um, he is one of our elders here at Casas. And um, and uh, you may not recognize him, uh, but as soon as he talks, you may go, do I know this guy? It's, uh, um, because you've been on the radio with Family Life Radio for 40, 40 years. 43. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we know you, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but you have a unique perspective. Uh, we thought it would be really good just to... Get that perspective from the other side of on a day of wanting to honor and appreciate healthcare workers from uh, someone who has benefited from that immensely. Uh, really, two very significant stories. The uh, first one going back to 1999. I remember right. when this happened. Yeah, you were in a terrible, terrible accident. Um, tell us just a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, it was. Um It was July of 99, my wife and I were on a motorcycle not too far from the church, just going out for a little ride, and uh, uh, we were in a wreck, a really bad one. Uh, Both of us uh, suffered multiple injuries, uh, was hospitalized in intensive care. Uh, I had cranial injuries and facial reconstruction, was blind for a little bit. and,
0: and I mean, we really thought we were going to yeah. lose you. And I remember visiting him in the hospital and um, they wouldn't let me in. It, like I had to play the pastor card like five times, you know, and uh, finally got in there. But when I saw you, I could not recognize you at all. The, just the severity of the, of the injuries.
4: Yeah, the plastic surgeon did a really good job. Gave me a new nose. Yeah. <laughs> there's
0: so many jokes here right now I know I'll I'll wait and you know save them for just us later later. but um, yeah (laughs) but uh, tell us a little bit though about just um, what it meant to have people that cared for you so much it at a a moment where really your life really was in the balance
4: well we had um, at that time both Karen and I were at the same hospital And uh, we both just had uh, amazing care. Um, I was in intensive care longer than Karen was. And um, the uh, attention to detail, the compassion, uh, pictures that were put up on the wall so that I could, once I was with it enough to be able to recognize much of anything, uh, were there that they put up and made sure that, you know they quizzed me a little bit about that. Um, we had prayer support from our own church family here at Casas. uh it was It was amazing and made a difference tremendously in the speedy recovery
0: It had to be difficult too because um because you and Karen were both hospitalized, it was like you you couldn't have your spouse at your bedside through that time,
4: like? No, we really didn't. Um, yeah, and like I said, that was, uh, that was really strange. Fortunately, Karen got out of the hospital sooner than I did, and uh, my, our church family and, and she were able to really muster a lot of support while we're, I was in the hospital longer.
0: Okay. And um, you really went through it as a family again this past year with Karen, just right before Christmas. Just before really. Christmas. Yeah, share a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, Karen came down with COVID at home and uh, she was she was in a bad way after about 10 days and uh, real bad and, uh, and it ended up taking her on the 14th of December, admitting her. And uh, one of the things I, I remember, uh, even though she was in a lot of pain she said, she said, now, honey, pack my bag. I want some makeup, a change of clothes, <laughs> you know, hair dryer, brush. She thought she was going to walk in and just walk back out, I think. But um, uh, it became apparent very quickly. Uh, within uh, hours, she was put in intensive care and... Um, And eventually, uh, I was contacted by the hospital. One of the nurses uh, made a difficult call to me.
0: Yeah, what was that like? Because that actually was a phone call that didn't have to take place. But
4: there was a nurse that reached out to you. Yeah, uh, I don't recall their name, unfortunately. Uh, If you're in the room, thank you. Um, but uh, gave me a call and, and explained the severity, the dire situation that Karen was facing. We had a do not intubate order when, we first, uh, when Karen was first admitted. And they said, we see that you have this order, um, but let me explain, your options are limited. If you don't do that, you'll most likely uh, lose your wife. So, uh, um, once I understood uh, what we were facing, uh, I had to, the only way, uh, again, because of COVID, uh, that I could speak with her was either by cell phone or an iPad. And so we did a FaceTime conversation and I had to convince her that it was in her best interest to be uh, put in a medically induced coma which they call sedation now, and, uh, and be intubated uh, in order for her to have a chance of uh, surviving.
0: You know, I think about um, the nurses that I talked with,
4: all of which work
0: at different hospitals here in Tucson. And one of the things I was struck by is the different roles that they take. And just hearing you say that just now, it hit me that there, there was... You know, Jonica talked about being an educator. Yeah. And there was someone who reached out to you to make sure you understood the gravity of what your wife faced in that moment.
4: Right. Um, And and I also had the support of uh, our son is married to a nurse and they live in Denver uh, for like the last four or five years now. But she was taking care of COVID patients in Denver and she was helping me... As a non-medical professional, understand the the terminology, the situation, what was going on with Karen. And uh, uh, she was uh, an amazing uh, asset and and just made the whole process. Those 14 days that Karen was in the hospital, um, well, just gave us a a new appreciation for her skills and understanding.
0: There was also something that happened that... uh, Less on the, what we would think of as the medical side, but super important and by the way, his wife Karen, is a school teacher yep who actually had my son in I think it was the first grade first grade first grade yes right here at and she' yeah and she's still a teacher that's yeah. amazing, yeah uh-huh. um, but uh, share a little bit about what one of the what one of the nurses did while your wife was in the hospital.
4: Yeah, Josie was her, uh, is her name. Uh, she, when Karen was all masked up and, and on a nasal cannula and glasses weren't reachable or able to be put on, um, uh, she took the time to sit at Karen's bedside when, of course, I couldn't or and none of us as family could be with Karen uh, in the room. Uh, she sat at her bedside and read the letters that she had received from her class, her third grade, third grade class here at a charter school that Karen teaches at, and uh, read every one of those to her. She didn't have to do that, that nurse. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: You know, um, we're really blessed to have people that, uh, and again, it's this host of people in different fields, all related to healthcare that uh, give so much. And, you know, we needed so much this uh, past year. And it's uh, just with great appreciation that um, that we're having this service this uh, morning. And there's, uh, th- there's two more things that we'd like to do for everyone here that is... Uh, uh, in the healthcare field. One is there's a gift that we have for you that we're going to ask you to come up here in a moment to receive. Um, and then the other one is uh, we want to pray a prayer of blessing for you. And uh, John being an elder here at our church and someone who so understands and has been blessed by uh, those of you who are in the healthcare field that felt like it would be so appropriate to have John be the one to pray that prayer of blessing for you. So I'm going to ask you to do something very bold that uh, as healthcare workers, you probably don't like too much, and that is to be recognized uh, in this way. But I'm going to ask you if you could just make your way up here to the sides, uh, because we want to pray for you as a group. And when you come up here, There you go. There's, keep coming. I know there's more of you here. (laughs) Yes. Um, We want to give you a gift and the gift uh, is coming from our church. It is, it is a pin. So, you know, oftentimes when you see healthcare workers on their lanyard or on their scrubs or whatever, you'll see like different pins that they uh, have on there. Um, And so we thought we would give them a pin as well, that if they so chose that they could Uh, put it on their lanyard or or whatever they wanted to do with it. But the reason behind it is to be a reminder that there is a community of people called Casas Church that uh, are for you and appreciate you so very much in uh, what you uh, do. And uh, on the front of it, it has the medical uh, emblem on there, and then it has a thank you. And then uh, at the very bottom, it says uh, medical heroes on there. And again, this is just uh, a symbol of, of our appreciation uh, to you all for what you've done for this community and have done uh, capturing the heart of Christ in what you're doing. So. Thank you very much. And I'm going to, yes. <clears throat> i tell you what. I was going to do this later, but I don't think I can stop it right now. So we'll give you a standing ovation right now is a thank you for what you do. Um, so, John, I'm going to ask you to just uh, pray for, for them, would you?
4: Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each and every healthcare worker, professional, individual that plays a part in uh, the science and the wonderment of healing. We thank you for these uh, individuals and those beyond the walls of this church building that, uh, Lord, you would pour on your strength, your compassion, and your protection. Would you strengthen their immune systems as they interact with patients with a variety of ailments and issues? Would you support them, Lord? Would you bless them as they leave this place? And we ask it for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you all. And you may go back to your seats now. Thank you very much. And uh, while they do that, uh, um, let me just uh, uh, say just a couple of things, and then I'll uh, close this out here. Um <clears throat> Uh, We bought some extra pins. So while they last, I don't know how many we have left. We had quite a few uh, people here. But we intentionally bought some extra pins that are available uh, right over here. Uh, And the reason for that is if any of you uh, have someone that you know that is in the healthcare field that you would want them to know that this church is with them and cares about them and supports them and you would like a tangible way to say thank you to them, um, I encourage you go and pick up one of these pens and then the next time uh, you see them, maybe for a a doctor's visit or appointment or or maybe they're a neighbor or whatever it is, um, just give them one of these pens and as you do, tell them thank you uh, for that. And uh, also is a way to just celebrate, right, in tangible ways around here. We thought it would be really fun if we had a couple of food trucks come and just uh, be a part of the morning here. We have a cheesecake food truck and a kettle corn food truck, and we have paid the bill on that. So there's no charge when you go out there, which makes it even easier to kind of celebrate with that, right? So um, so this morning, if you see someone that you know, this healthcare care worker, uh, shake their hand, uh, g- give them a thank you. And, uh, and if you would like, as long as we uh, have uh, pins, uh, go and pick up a pin and give that to someone. Why don't we all stand? And I'm going to close this uh, with a blessing uh, here. Um, may God shine his face upon you and may he fill you with his peace and his love as you move forward. Amen. Have a wonderful day. See you next week.